On an unexpectedly warm day in the 2nd October since her husband's capture, 23-year-old Mrs Alice Herman saw from the veranda where she sat sewing buttons on one of her father-in-law's shirts an army truck pull up in the middle of the rutted clay and gravel road outside the Herman's place three miles west of Gorwell. She believed at first that the truck had simply broken down, but it had a purpose. Four guards with rifles alighted, and then six of those others, prisoners in their deep red shirts and trousers, were ordered down from the back. They were instantly fascinating with their subtle contours, even in the different way they jumped, stood and moved. They were beings from the other side of the veil of what was understandable. A person at a safe distance couldn't avoid gawping at them. Certainly the Mussolini-loving Italians from the same Gorwal prisoner of war camp weren't as interesting. The Italians were not only more numerous, they were also scattered as labourers on farms all over the place, Duncan Herman, her father-in-law, had applied to a place called the Control Centre to send him one. But Italians surely lacked the novelty value of the Japanese. There were, by contrast, only perhaps a thousand of these oriental exotics over there, three miles off in Gorwal Camp, and they were normally kept out of public sight, so they were an astounding apparition for a woman like her, one dedicated to a life of near drudgery, cooking and pickling, bottling fruit, feeding chickens, milking, churning butter, and, in season, lambing. Since the rouseabout who had lived in the Shearer's quarters had joined the militia, Alice had been assigned to these tasks by national necessity. She did not wish to go home to her parents' place to fulfil similar work and attend to her querulous mother as well. She stayed on the Herman farm, of which her absent husband was son and inheritor. The second reason the men engrossed her attention was that they shared with her husband, Neville Herman, the condition of being prisoners. There was a mad suspicion in her that in inspecting them, she was learning something of Neville. Neville had sat a time on the shores of Crete, with thousands of others who had missed the last friendly ship or been considered ineligible for it. He had then joined some comrades on a Greek vessel called a Kaik and sailed eastwards to Chios off Turkey. Men were taken off Chios at night by further small vessels, which made for Alexandria. So a friend of Neville's who'd got away in that manner had told her in a letter. Neville had given up his place on a vessel to a man with pneumonia, the letter writer said. Duncan had believed that outright, but Alice, for reasons she couldn't define, wondered whether it was the truth or a consoling lie. Not that Neville wasn't a good enough fellow for that to be true. In any case, the Germans had occupied Chaos while Neville was still waiting there. At least he gave it a go, said Duncan of Neville's escape to Chaos. He didn't sit on his backside and just wait for the buggers to drive up in trucks. At the end of Neville's Greek adventure, after marches and steamer and train journeys, which he'd described in a letter, he'd ended in a place in the east of Austria named Eichberg. That was where the food parcels she got together were sent, via a Red Cross address in Sydney. In his most recent letter, which had arrived in July, he had praised the last parcel and said that it was good, after the winter, to be let out to the farms, even if it was only for the day. 
these details were too sparse. Her imagination could not get purchase on the life he led, and she gazed at the prisoners as if they could give her a clue. The labourers on the road in their russet-dyed uniforms, whom Alice now observed, were said to belong to an army who gave it a go, as Duncan had said of his son. That was why there were only a thousand of them in Gorwell, and a scatter elsewhere in the countryside. They were said to choose mad last stands before surrender, and were not as reasonable once things became impossible, as Neville had surely been on Crete and Chios. It was a matter of gratitude he was not one of their prisoners, but a captive at least of the European army. On close study, she could see that two of the six men unloaded on the road were older, nearly as old as the guards. The rest of them were young, just boys, even if judging by the news from captured areas.